Howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. So if I would have had that same machine as the Olsen twins providing to my people, providing to the culture that embraced me and that I'm a part of, she would have been changed. Stereotypes about child stars and their longevity in Hollywood are well known. Contrary to popular belief, there are many more child actors, though, who have beat the odds and we continue to thrive. I'm Jaleel White, and this is Ever After. Uh, my first guest, she was born in Atlanta in 1985. I'm going to call her out. You do the math. Uh, she joined the Cosby Show in the sixth season. I used to watch her avidly. I would race home during the appointment television era to watch her. Uh, she was signed to a record deal to MCA Records at age seven. She was in The Little Rascals, made her big screen debut at age eight. She opened for NSYNC. We're going to talk about that. That's wild. Uh, she worked with Eddie Murphy. I'm jealous of that, man. So jealous of that. Um, in uh, Dr. Doolittle. And now, and of course, we knew her from That's So Raven. Uh, which led her to the Cheetah Girls and stints on Broadway and Sister Ags, Empire Blackish. She was on The View. She replaced Rosie O'Donnell, and now she is the executive producer and star of Raven's Home. Please welcome Raven Simone. <laughs> How does it feel to hear all of that, hear all those credits? Um, I don't listen to it often, so it's like, damn, yeah, I did do that. Damn, yeah, I did do that. And then I'm being bougie, and I'm like, you forgot Martin Lawrence. And you forgot my albums. Because <laughs> you know how we, wait, I need my credit. I need my credit. I'm so bad. <laughs> what, are, what are your favorite credits? Give me three of your favorite credits. My favorite credits, um, it would be Eddie Murphy, Martin Lawrence, and Chris Rock. I have Dave Chappelle to add to that list to be able to work with and say that I've done. And mm -hmm. um, Craig, I forget his last name, but funny, funny, funny man. Um, you talking about Craig Robinson? That's what I'm talking about. Oh, that's my dude. Uh, I ran into Craig Robinson in Brazil on the streets, like past him. And he was like, hey, man, follow me. I'm like, is this really happening? <laughs> is this in Rio. I'm jealous. <laughs> oh, it's one of the best nights of my life. One of the best nights of my life. He was Can like, you hey, tell man. me I about it, here. please? He was, he was like, I'll tell you about parts of it. I'll let you bring it up later. Look, I, I'm going I'm to play a little game with you, though. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've watched other people talk to you and I felt like this show was so necessary. It was supposed to be a show actually, but because of COVID, we, we, you know, everybody is pivoting. And uh, so I would love to be on a beach with you somewhere or, or shooting guns, tactical training or something. Right. But right? you know, me I know you well. down. 
I know you down. See, that's what that's what I had in store for you. We were gonna go tactical training, um, and uh, but uh, but I I listen to other people talk to you, and I'm like, they ask her such cliche questions. Like it's just it's I I, I it's, it's cringy to hear the person talking to you. I'm like, man, get out the way, man. That's how you talk to Raven, man. Get out the way. So I'm like, that's where this show really came from. It's just looking at other people's uh, interviews and being like, I don't want to interview. I want to have a conversation and get away from some of this cliche crap. So um, anytime I'm giving you a cliche buzzer, anytime I ask you something or I take it into a direction, you're allowed to, in your very Raven way, just go, eh, cliche. <laughs> and, uh, and you will help me get better at even having these conversations. Got you. All right, are you on board with it? I'm Are on you on board. board with that? I love a quick. I love a quick. <laughs> See, I, I knew you were gonna like that part. I knew you were gonna like that part in particular. <laughs> um, you just got married. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, congratulations to your, your lovely wife, Miranda. Uh, how long did you guys date? We have known each other for five years. And uh, we, during COVID, we really came to the conclusion that why wait anymore? And, you know, there's people in our lives like, wait, you're supposed to wait. And I'm like, why? Like, we're here together. We're growing together. We have plans together. Like, this is, this doesn't have to wait. And we don't believe in the traditional way of doing things at all. I mean, thank God we're lesbians. We can see like, hey, we're starting new traditions for ourselves. So, you know, (laughs) being able to have that small wedding of just us and, really growing and setting a really strong sediment for us during Corona as a married couple to where we're like this. And we were just talking about that the other day. I was like, babes, it's really cool. Like I don't have to go to work right now. I don't have to leave and you don't have to leave. We literally are in our faces 24 hours. This in my opinion, and I've never been married before, so I could be wrong, but in my soul, it feels like with this strong connection, like nothing is going to break this because we got married in 2020 Corona time and quarantined together and we found each other. That is so beautiful. I, I, I had to call my family attorney, unfortunately, during uh, the beginning of quarantine. And uh, she was just licking her chops because she said, oh, the business is going to be fantastic once we come out of this. Uh, and, and, and you see it. You see it. People are just breaking up left and right. You know, uh, so to hear a story like yours is so refreshing. Um, what people don't realize is that being a former child actor, um, it's not easy for us to trust. So when you tell me five years, I'm like, oh, that's a blip on the screen. <laughs> that's a blip on... And the other people are like, what are you waiting on? Why so long? And I'm like, wow, you did it in just five years? Ooh, this is a special woman. So you feel like, first of all, I'm in an entanglement with her. So whatever. Um, hey. <laughs> secondly, I love that you said that because I thought I was just going through multiple dimensions in my head on a regular basis that I was absolutely crazy. But in my head, one day equals like a month sometimes. Like my my time schedule, because of how I was raised, I'm guessing is very, very skewed. So I've been in relationships that lasted seven years that felt like I will never like that was enough of a marriage for you. (laughs) And then there are ones that last shorter. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, it's weird. I thought I was the only one with the time warp in my head. What is that? No, that's 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 why I'm calling you, baby. We we have a lot in common just by uh, by by virtue of the way we were raised, what we grew up in. Um, Oh, you talk about shit today. You really talk in conversation. Okay, let me. Hey, listen, he's trying to dig deep right now. I got to get a hug. Hold on. 
I told you. I told, I told you. I'm coming for your neck today. I'm coming for your neck. Uh-oh. I am coddling myself. <laughs> I just, uh, there's certain things really that only I could probably talk to you about. And um, I think that's refreshing. And I hope people gain some insight. What we go through and um, how we're built and how the ones who last are built because I think that story matters more. I mean, we're in a time that's that's really going to be about survival. So um, we are survivors, and we're not even survivors. We're thrivers. <laughs> we're thrivers. Um, but I'm I'm curious. When you did date back in the day, um, were you comfortable making the first moves? I'm always the first mover. Man, You're or always women. first mover. Men or okay. women. Okay, I'm always there because I don't have time. And see, to I would have. I would have taken. I, I actually would have assumed that you would be, and that what what were what were your tactics? Because I, I used to hang out with Penny Hardaway when I was younger, and and we go into a room, and Penny wouldn't say anything. You know, he's six seven. You know, NBA contract. You know, he goes in the room and he just stands in the corner and just kind of like you know acts as a tractor beam. Yeah, right. Come exactly. To me. Look at Come you. To you me. Get <laughs> right. Right. And then, and then my my little five nine self back then is you know just burrowing through the room like a little a little groundhog and uh, trying to meet everybody and see everybody. And I remember one day Penny told me he was like, "Jay, sit your ass down somewhere." And I'm like, "Penny, I'm not standoffish like you, man. Like I'm I'm I want to you know see who's in the room or whatever." He said, "Let me break it down to you, Jay. Every woman in this room knows we're here. They ain't gotta like us." But the words getting around, we're here. Now, this is this is game on top of game before game. cell phones. OK, <laughs> right. So he's like, they know we here. So if you got to walk all the way across the room to get a hello or what's up with some girl you cheat, you're checking out. She ain't checking for you. <laughs> whatever, whatever we like is going to be in our vicinity, whatever that is for us is going to be in our vicinity. And he put that on me and that was like an anvil. So I'm going to throw it to you. Yeah, but at the same time, if we're going there, there's a part of me, and I'm sure maybe you've had this moment too, where I have to let people know who I really am. Penny Hardaway, mm, mm. you're on the basketball court. They see your they see your interview, they see your everyday. I'm reciting someone else's emotions. I'm putting on mm. someone else's clothing. So what I used to do back in the day is do the same thing as you. However, it was a little bit different. I would walk the room. And they would be like, is that? And I had hoodie down, you know, real right where I am. <laughs> and I would catch eyes, catch eyes. And then I would post and whoever came, came. But you have to know who I am because otherwise people are expecting me to pop in and be like, hey, girl, what's up? How are you? Hey, Sweeney. Like, you're not that character. That's not, exactly. who I, that's not who I do. So and I think I understand why you were doing that, because a lot of people don't know us. And when I'm dating you. You need to meet me, no makeup, no hair, farting, burping in your face so that you know you're not getting the celebrity <laughs> that gets put out there, plain and simple. Oh, that's so funny that you said that because I've had a longstanding rule that if you said you didn't know me, uh, you tried to play that like, oh, I don't watch TV card. Um, then I, I just I had no choice but to move on. Like, again, you you didn't you didn't have to like me. So it was kind of, I was I would always be kind of nervous even just trying to talk to highlight a chick because I'm like, just be just be cool with it. You know what I'm saying? Just have a conversation with me. Don't don't act like you don't know who I am or I don't watch TV. I'm sorry. What do you do? Play play that card or whatnot. Um, it would it would just 
it would throw off my game so much. I remember the worst experience that I had was there was a girl that I, I was peeping and she came over to me and I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. This is going down. And that rarely really happens on the guy side, really. And she was like, um, she was like, hey, can I, um, can I get a picture with you? I'm like, fuck. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, like Derek. right. Right. And you know, you know how this feels, right? She was like, she's like, can I get a picture with you? And I'm like, damn, yeah, man. sure. I'm like, so I'm like, all of a sudden, a little bit of Stefan came out of me, actually. And I was like, look, um, I'll, um, you can have my phone number uh, or you can have a picture. Ooh. But you can't have both. But you can't have both. Ooh. And, and, right? And so she was like, uh, she said, um, I want the picture. <laughs> no, nah, you can't have a picture. Get out my face. You can't have a picture. <laughs> Yo, Raven, my heart sunk. Right, but you gotta keep <laughs> it. Deep. No you got, hey, you know my stuff. My stuff with droopy face, but um, <laughs> yeah. But you know, I, you got to keep it together. So I was like, all right, cool. You want the picture? So we took a picture, and then she got her picture. She's looking at it on the phone. She was like, wait a minute, can I have your number too? Just I said, oh no, no, baby, no, 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 no. Honestly, it was a pleasure meeting you. Because at that point now, it's really she just let me know. I don't even see you as human. You're a party favor. Your 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 Buzz Lightyear at California Adventure. I saw you, and I want to take a picture of you. So any designs I had in my mind, man, she couldn't have been further away from them. So that was a re- those those kind of moments for me are rejection uh, are, is God's protection type thing, and I, I really I really try to embra- embrace that. Um, I got a question for you. Um, I loved you on Oprah Winfrey when you were a kid. In the green outfit. Do you even remember that interview at all? <laughs> it was you. It was you and a man we're going to touch on. We're not uh, going to touch a second. on him. Are we not, you want to say cliche? Not cliche. I'm just not going to talk about him. Oh, no, no. I got you. Come on. I'm too clever for that. We ain't, we ain't talking about what you think about that and all that kind okay. of nonsense. We're talking about uh, Mr. C, Mr. Cosby. Um, what we have in common with uh, Mr. C is that we both worked with him as children. Um, I did a Jello pudding pop commercial with him. So just like people ask you questions, they ask me questions about him. And generally they only ask the cliche questions about him. So I know your response and my response is similar that the, um, the people who, who deserve justice need to get justice and they got justice. But that man created a lane for African Americans in television that has been erased as a part of this cancel culture and my wanting to ever discuss that or my wanting to ever hearken back to that has nothing to do with his transgressions and the price that he is paying uh, rightfully so for what he did outside of that. But the fact of the matter is that man discovered you. That man, gave, me, that man that, gave me a life. Yeah. That, that, that man changed the trajectory of my representation. Uh, unfortunately it wasn't for the better um, at William Morris. That's oh, a hilarious. I was at William Morris too. Yeah, he sent us all there. <laughs> he sent us all. all right. And and, uh, and I had to learn how agents get down the hard way. As a matter of fact, he was. Um, um, I had just done an ev- a show in Washington D.C. with Bill Clinton, and my agent had a meltdown. Like the whole weekend was about her. And it wasn't um, it wasn't about what we needed to be doing. I don't even and have agents back, anymore, Jaleel. Oh, uh, so you're unrepresented right now? Oh, I'm very represented by myself. 
Hey, okay, wait a minute. Like, you got to break this shit down. I saw how many bags were coming out my original bag. I said, hold up now. And half the jobs I'm getting myself, I really appreciate all the people who worked on my behalf for all those years. But it really is a centipede type of business. And the head is not really the actor. The butt and the ass is the actor. Everybody else takes checks off of you. And then if you're not really bringing in content like the A++ A++ people... You out here striving just to keep your home and everybody else's home is bigger because they're taking money out of everybody else's check. So I'm back to just a lawyer and a manager and my family because I'm tired of giving people money where I'm getting finding all the jobs. That shit is ridiculous. Again, you just drop gems on them. You know, Um, I was ultimately represented by people at William Morris that really had no interest in representing me. Uh, they, they were more uh, interested in appeasing Mr. Cosby at the time, and he made it seem like a priority that I'd be represented by uh, by them. And uh, that was a four or five year process of of learning uh, how much longer, Jay, are you going to sit in this lobby and let them bring you water and they don't get you any jobs? Um, <laughs> I see your finger pointing. <laughs> so, um, you know, again, it was it was a. Yeah, that was we've had the same experience, obviously, then even with representation. Uh, But what people don't realize is. um, He set some values in place for me also, and I'm a part of that go to college generation. How did you manage to skip going to college? Because I felt the weight of the world um, to go to college. As a matter of fact, I can't even find my darn diploma. Uh, I graduated from UCLA in 2001. My diploma was white chocolate <laughs> on the set of uh, That's So Raven. No, let me let me say this, though, because um, I went to college. I went to college. Which college? I got, to, go? I got my AA. I went to the Academy of Art University online. And I didn't do it because of okay. Bill Cosby. I did it because of my mom. My mom is so unaffected. I was like, Mom, I just, you know, I just introduced Bill Clinton for the Hillary Clinton rally. Yeah, but did you go to college? Uh, No, Mom, I got my own show on Disney Channel. And, you know, I'm directing. Yeah, but did you finish college? I'm like, damn. <laughs> so I went to college because of Raven, my mom. Raven, my mom was the same way. My mom was the same way, though. Exactly. So it was a it was a combination. I'm just saying he was the cherry on top. Uh, That probably was it. He you know, there I learned a lot from him as well. The way that I run my set while, you know, within reason, there are some archaic ideas because times always change and the industry changes. But, you know, I ran my set the same way that I remember my parents reminding me how he ran his, how, um, entertainment industry and television was run back then time very important focus very important there were no cell phones so there will be none here you know there is a hierarchy there is a respect there is a everything and bringing that to this generation was definitely um challenging at times because i'm like yo yeah you can go to another set who has never been on television before and they're running their set willy-nilly yes stuff gets done because the company will make sure that process and that that product gets delivered but look how efficient we are look how easy it is look how quick you learn look how well you take a note without having to combat here and there like we come from a different mindset of this is a business well me this is a business first and then you can have fun within this business but let's get the shit done and i was talking to my wife last night because she was helping me with notes and she was like well 
You're really just straight to the point, right? Like you don't do any of this back work. I said, well, it depends on what it is. If I'm out here trying to, you know, be in a big screen movie with emotional combat, yes. But if it's a sitcom, there are steps to be had and emotions to be had in a way that's, you know, the way I was taught from back in the day. So I give thanks to a man who took a chance on myself and my parents at the time, because back then it was also parents are very involved. Parents take care of your kids. They better not be running around the set. Uh, this is a job. Like I knew at three, I was paying taxes for a family. I'm three. Like this is your parents talk to you about that kind of stuff at that age. You would hear them and you would remember that they said that they talked to me about that the whole time. I knew when I finished the cop, I knew when I finished hanging with Mr. Cooper and I moved back to Atlanta, I was like, shit, I need a job. How are we going to make money? Like I knew this, not because they didn't just because they wanted me to know how important it is for me to be a provider for myself for the rest of my life. Hey, it's Jalil. Now I want to tell you about my new favorite plant-based protein bar. It's Loopy, L-U-P-I-I, two eyes, made from the lupini bean, which has three times the protein of eggs, two times the protein of chickpeas, and three times more fiber than oats. Loopy bars are protein-rich, vegan, sustainable, plant-based fuel that will keep you running like a boss all day. Now for me, I use these as a post-workout pick-me-up because I just I need that in my age, you know what I'm saying? A little something to get me going. Makes the perfect snack. These nutty, fruity bars will fill you up and keep you going all day. Vegan, non-GMO, gluten-free, no sugar added. That part is important because I'm addicted to sugar. Kosher, and would you believe me if I told you that they really do taste great? I'm serious. Loopy bars come in four delicious flavors. Peanut butter cacao, uh, almond butter cinnamon raisin, that's my favorite, tahini lemon cranberry, and new cashew ginger pumpkin seed. I'm gonna have to jump on that because I feel these holidays coming around. I prefer the almond butter myself, though. The almond butter cinnamon is my joint. Right now, Loopy is offering 20% off your first online order at GetLoopy. That's two eyes. GetLoopy.com. Use the code EVER at checkout to get free shipping on all orders. That's Loopy. L-U-P-I-I. Two eyes. Visit GetLoopy.com slash EVER. Don't forget those slashes because you want your discount. So who was, between your mom and dad, like who was your active manager and who was the heavy? My dad. Your dad was the your dad was the manager. But who was the who was the heavy? Who was the parent that you would butt heads with the most as you were going through this journey? Your dad. Your dad. Yeah, my mom really wasn't <clears throat> it. She was involved in a motherly kind of way, but business wise, she 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 stayed on the family side. He stayed in the business side. Now see that's funny because I'm mine is flipped. My mom was the heavy. She's the one I butt heads with. And my dad was the one who was far more aware of my development growing up. So when I wanted to do something, when it was time for me to go out on dates, when it was time for me to extend my curfew or any of that kind of stuff, like my mom just didn't, she was more about controlling me and keeping me obeying certain rules. And he would be like, nah, my son wouldn't do that. Like he could get, he could guess me. And uh, hold on a second. <clears throat> it was like, damn, it was like a frog just jumped in my freaking throat. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> jumped in my throat. Um, my mom and dad, my dad just, he knew me better. He knew me better. Um, are you, are you tight with both your parents today or one more so than the other? 
Yeah, my family dynamic is um, morphing constantly. So that's something I kind of keep close Sounds to my accurate. heart. <laughs> huh? Sounds accurate for us. <laughs> Sounds, you know, family's an interesting thing, I think, when you grow up and the way we did. Because I know for me, at least, your actions will keep you in your in my life. I don't see blood relation the same way that most other people do. What, what do you feel about that? Give me that? a hug, Julian. Give me a hug right here. <laughs> right here on my face. Listen, I wrote a song a long time ago that Hollywood is thicker than blood. It's just thicker hey. than blood. And Whoa. blood is, uh, I know, I don't have children. Okay? So I'm coming from a totally different aspect. You do. But I am coming that, from that Hollywood. Was- that one's going to be different for you, but but keep going. I am coming from Hollywood and I am coming from a place of the Hollywood that we were raised in. Not this one. It's a totally different one. And blood doesn't matter. <laughs> blood, <laughs> blood gets tainted so hardcore when them checks come in. Not saying that it does for me because money isn't the factor that morphed and boiled blood. But that is the number one. Then it's, you know, the power. Who has the power in the dynamic of the relationship? Does your child, you know, you hear so many stories of children firing their parents, of children losing their parents, of, you know, the parents overtaking them. That's because in a normal situation, the parents are the breadwinners. They are the disciplinarians. They are the boundary makers. And only people that might come in during the child's development is a teacher is, you know, a therapist if necessary. But in our world, we listen to a director, a writer, the stand-ins. We are required to act a certain way by a certain age. The parents then want to bring you home. I had this. Then want to bring you home and be like, clean up the house. I'm like, wait, 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 wait now. Now, I don't understand. (laughs) I was just on this set getting praises and all this shit. Now I got to come home and be Cinderella. I don't get it. So it didn't really compute to me. And I'm still struggling with like, okay, how how did that work for me now that I'm married? I'm dealing with all, you know, you get married and you deal with all these childhood uh, regression type shits. And I just, um, yeah, it's a it's a journey when your parents are as close within the entertainment industry, because then there's this right there is. Let's take a small subject like clothing or weight. Not a small subject, but you know what I mean? You have your parents telling you, you got to stay fit because you're, you're going to get a job or you're not going to get a job. This and then, and then, and this. And then you have your manager saying, who's not my parent at the time, you know, blah, 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 blah. This is your business. This is your business. I'm like, well, what part of me isn't business? Do I get a part of me that isn't a part of the brand? Do I get a part of me that you're not hoeing out? Like I'm confused. And then you get mad because you give me no outlook because I know that if I walk outside at the wrong time, there's a camera there for my business goes. If I do this at this time, like I'm always on edge of what the brand is going to do because there was no separation. Now, don't get it twisted. I went to middle school public. I went to elementary school public. I had you went to normal a, school? I went to normal school too. But you, I'm at normal school after being on two number one television shows, like what the hell are y'all doing in this? Y'all aren't paying attention to the adults. No, Raven, we're going to skip class. I said, if you skip class and in my head, I'm like, you're not going to get your check. You stay here and listen to the adult and you get your job done. And then you go home and have fun. Like normal school was different for us because we were able to go to school during a time that where you know, cell phones didn't dominate the world. 
So a lot of things happen that will just be a part of your memory, but they weren't captured, you know, indefinitely forever. So I'm just curious, though, when you look back at your middle school experience, especially like, did you spend quality time in middle school? Because I spent quality time in middle school. I My spent quality time in middle school. But that was the ugly period, if you really think about it. That time in, in middle school, I wasn't getting any jobs at that time. Like, jobs weren't Ooh. coming to us at, at me to me at that time. So it was like, what else are you going to do? Okay, put her in middle school. I'm not going to keep, you know, auditioning her for me and my parents. And so mm. I loved middle school. I was like, oh, my goodness. And that's when I finally got strides on how to be normal, like what it's like to have friends and Kiki in the back and not really like that whole defiant thing that was not allowed on set kind of came into my system. But I still had, listen, I learned to, I learned to act and tell a joke and live in a rhythmic pattern at three. That's before I even know how to read. So my crutch or my business has morphed all of my interactions in a, in all kinds of ways. Gotcha. Gotcha. Who taught you how to do stuff? You know, it's funny because when you grow up as a child actor, people do so much stuff for you that, you know, like my mom was well on the way of making me an independent man by the time I was 12 and 13 years old. Like I was cooking dinner for my dad and, you know, she was she was in that phase where she was about to teach me how to sew. I'd already been washing my clothes and stuff like that because I just came from a black home that was like, look, you're going to sort these clothes. Um, But, you know, uh, but beyond that, you know, when it when it comes to all of the things that you need to actually take care of yourself in life from cleaning to bill paying, et cetera, you know, there's no class for that. Actually, even for kids that are just going to normal school, but even worse. Yeah. We're, we're already in a working environment that it's like, who taught you how to do stuff? Who do you, who do you, you know, who do you give that credit to? I give them to both my parents, you know, while they were, Mm -hmm. while my father was busy making sure that people knew my name you know, um, and making sure that I was self-sufficient when on tour, you know, I'd go home and my mom made sure I, you know, she stopped cooking for the house when I was 13 because she said we didn't appreciate her. So then I started cooking and I started washing clothes and you I know, love it. Yeah. So, um, I've been independent for a while now. Do I like that shit? No. And as I started getting <laughs> older and working, do I now have a maid? Yes. Um, <laughs> but you know, I still love to cook. I, I know how to take care of myself. I think it's also, I think it's the A type personality that they created. Like we'll figure it out real quick. I mean, I haven't personally taken care of my finances. I've had the same accountant since I was three, but because of my lucky you, I got lucky, but because of my mental, um, capacity to fix a problem and take a note real quick. Uh, I'll figure that shit out in a second. It don't take nothing but a deal. You know what I mean? We're not lazy in that sense. You're 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 a prodigy. You're not allowed to say it. I'm allowed to say it. I hope th- I I hope this is what I hope this is what makes it fun chatting like this. Cause you're a damn genius. Oh, I, I used to watch you when you were a kid, and there is a light that that a child has. You have it. Dakota Fanning had it. Um, I had it. You have it. Mine actually, mine actually took a, it took a second for it to click. I know the exact episode for me, actually, when it clicked, when all of a sudden it's like, I could just see 
the timing of all of this in the matrix. I know the exact episode. The episode is actually season one of family matters called the big fix and where Steve um, gets to take Laura to a French restaurant because he did Eddie's homework. And um, when you would go and audition as a young, young person, could you read the room? I don't remember auditioning as a young person. I don't remember things past 17. Now it keeps backing up, but um, wow, I can read a room now when I'm in a, when I'm in a business oh. meeting. In a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. Now, yeah, yeah the, anybody that's in a room with you now, they don't even understand how they're getting carved up with a, with a I lightsaber. I feel so bad. Like, I'm learning so much for myself from you and my wife. Because remember when you got me, you were like, you know, because you put up a stance. I'm like, damn, am I that hard? Like, I, I feel so bad. But this is how I was taught because this industry is full of blood sucking people that yeah. want to take your bag. And I'm just not like that. But yes, I read rooms. But we also have to we also have to do that because in in one scene, we go through every emotion under the sun. We go through pain, sadness, happiness, joy, confusion in one line. So we're touching on empath type qualities in a fictional setting on an everyday basis inside. Let me just keep going inside of a concrete box filled with electricity. So you're not only putting people in a very type of setting, you're asking them to perform regular emotions for other people to remember. I think that development is body changing, mind changing. So I morph for other people detriment to me because I don't always get what I want. Because I'm always Ooh, trying to please others. That's a bar. That's but, a bar. I, I want y'all to hear that again. She said, I morph for other people. Detriment to me. Yes, I do the same thing. I've done it my entire life. I, I have to, in a nanosecond, when I meet you, begin to almost just attach myself to this situation. Like, like, the, like the stranger thing goo. <laughs> right, Jaleel? <laughs> and if I leave it to you, you're gonna, you know, my you, life over. Then, you're not even going to know. Then how to you're going to you're going to screw up this interaction. You're going to screw. You're going to screw up my life. You're going to trash this moment. You're going to you know. And so pretty and much, so funny, you're welcome. <laughs> right, and it and it was I, it was funny. I was it was it was even at the uh, NBA All Star Game right before COVID jumped off, and I was I was walking through the uh, I was walking through the metal detectors at the official team hotel. And you know Chicago. I mean, when you go to places like that, the black folks are just, they don't hold back when they see you. They just, they, they, they are vocal about it. And, uh, and I walked, uh, I walked through, I was only able to catch two of the people, one of the persons before it happened, the screaming. <laughs> but, but I walked through one of the security guards. She goes, oh my gosh, she looks at me. And I was just like, yo, goes, my man. And she was just like, oh, right. Like, like she was in on a secret. And they don't, and it's like, it's one of my tricks actually to put my, my finger over my lips Mine when too, I see Julia, somebody's about, when some, somebody's, when somebody's about to scream, oh my God, it's that bad or something like that, whatever. It's like, if you scream that lady, like you're going to make it all weird in the whole room and, and I can't, you know, interact with anybody. And so you have to find a way to tell that person to tone them down, but you have to do it in such a way that you don't destroy this moment for them. Because they're meeting you and they're about to cast a huge 
giant judgment on who you are in this freaking three seconds right now. Oh, Urkel got an attitude. It's like, no, I don't, baby. You can't be screaming out somebody's character name when you, when you come walking into a hotel. You know what I'm saying? Like, give me a chance to just ingratiate myself to the room. And so putting my finger over my lips has become my thing. And like I said, I was able to quell her, but then the woman right behind her was like, ah, I was him, girl. And it was like, okay, well, I got one of them. So I was able, I was, do, do you ever, you know, I got, do, do you ever find it easier to do it yourself? Cause you sound like you do it yourself. Do you like it when other people do it for you or do you like to handle it? Um, I actually like to handle it myself. I don't. And the reason why I say I like to handle it myself is because there's two kinds of celebrities. There's a celebrity that can move amongst the people. And there is Beyonce and Jay-Z. Great. And 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 uh, and it's it's not to say, I mean, obviously, I'm a fan of both of those people. uh, But but um, but you have to decide in your heart who you want to be. Do do you want to go to Whole Foods? Do you want to take your family to Disneyland? Do you want to still have normal moments? And so I tend to pattern my life after people like the Bill Murrays and the Steve Martins of the of the game, the Whoopi Goldbergs, you know, where they are superstars. Do not get it twisted. Their earnings are crazy. They have impacted people's souls with their work for generations. But they have decided long time ago, you're not going to chase me inside my house. Um, I get I get to move as you do. And so what that means, though, is that their body language and verbal taekwondo is nice. Epic. It's nice. It's so nice. I could just watch them like I could people watching somebody like a Bill Murray or people watching somebody like, well, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I can watch them the way normal people sit back at Disneyland and be like, I'm just sit here, eat my popcorn and watch these crazy mamas try to manage their kids. Like, I prefer to look at somebody like those guys because I see what they're doing to stay normal, to, to be able to, to feel. You know, people say, how do you feel? How do you, how do you stay so grounded? I mean, well, I stay grounded by figuring you out faster than you figure out me. That's that's how I stay grounded. I, I, I would drop the mic, but I think your producers would get mad. <laughs> you need to hear what he just said. That's what that's the bars right there. That's a talent. And not everybody can do that, especially in this new generation. Yeah. They can't do it. They don't understand how to do nah. it. No. Nah. Speaking of which, it's funny. I was going to ask you, I was like, autographs or selfies? Which one do you prefer? Selfies. I'm trying to be like Anthony Hopkins in this bitch. I'm trying to. Wow. <laughs> I miss autographs. You I miss, miss autographs. My autograph was so nice. I used to work on that joint when I was a kid. I got the big fancy J. It's beautiful. It's like a combination of a woman's uh, calligraphy and a man's masculinity. It's beautiful, <laughs> man. This is beautiful. Oh, he misses them. <laughs> I don't miss them joints at all. I, I realized with autographs, I could sign an autograph quicker than I could take a picture with somebody also. So a lot of times when people came up to you and they even asked you for an autograph, if long as you kept moving and their pen was out or whatever, and I was like, oh, you got to be ready. You know, I would just joke with them or whatever, and I would keep moving. I actually spent less time signing the autograph and giving them what they wanted than ever explaining I'm not signing autographs right now. Oh, yeah. I'll so, say, I, I always say one picture, one view. I totally understand, Jalil. See, I've turned the autograph into a picture when they're like, oh, can I take a picture? I said, yeah, give me your phone. Why? I want to take the picture. I said, give me your phone. Walk with me. Pop, 
you're welcome here. I've taken it over because people get flustered. It's understandable and I don't mind it and I love you, but my new autograph is this. So like, I don't have to sign my name anymore. If you, you know that it's a fan picture if I'm like this and it's, it to me helped the thing. Cause I used to go to Walmarts and be there for four hours signing autographs. Yeah. Yeah. And you feel obligated. You feel obligated to, feel obligated. I think when you grow up as, I think you grow up as a kid in this business, you grow up acquiescing to adults. And so as you become an adult, you still have that kid in you that says, I was asked of something and I have to give it to you. It gets, yeah, it, it, and you have to reach an age. Where, look at you. She falling all out of the couch. <laughs> and you have to reach an age where you you allow yourself to push back and, and or just take control of the situation. My favorite autograph that I have signed recently was probably last year. I was passing through an airport and a kid came up to me for being on your show, for being on your show on Raven's Home. And he comes up to me with his phone. I loved him. Like I wanted to hire him as an intern because he was just so smooth. And he, 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 he was like, he couldn't have been any more than 11 or 12. And he was just like, are you Jaleel White? And that's the other thing too. Older people who were born in like, you know, uh, pre 70s, 80s, whatever, whatever, uh, Woodstock days, uh, they don't realize that people know us for different stuff. So he came up to me because he had seen me on Raven's home and he had probably Googled me maybe saw more things that I'd been in. And so he called me Jaleel. He was just straight up. He was like, you're Jaleel White. Can I, can I have a picture? I'm like, it. yeah, man, cool. Boom. So we just hit him with the selfie real quick. Boom, boom. My man took his phone back, fired away, hit a few buttons, turned about, yeah, yeah, hit, hit the screen. Second, now can you sign it? Oh, put it on sign mode for me to sign a picture. I said, yo, yo. I, I should have hired him. I should have hired him. That was a grown man right there. You missed out. I, I, this is a grown man in an 11-year-old's body. I was like, yo, that's the gangster's move. And we'll he just got an autograph of He's smart. He's smart. I was just, and again, so it was like, because of the way we grew up, we see intelligence in kids way faster than adults. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of adults just are so disrespectful. That's why I enjoy parenting. They're so disrespectful of what children can see. So even right now, raising my daughter, there are things that I just know my daughter can see. And it's like, She's already becoming a little woman. I'm like, oh, you can perceive that? You can observe that? I mean, you, And an adult is just walk, walking around thinking they're innocent. Go in, go in. You know, you've <laughs> seen me on, you've seen me on set. You see how I treat them mm-hmm. kids. Oh, yeah. You treat them like little adults. Because they you are do adults. Not, yeah. And, and look at you. You just put on the straight face for me, too, when you even said it. They are adults. And they, they are adults. You. They know that they are. <laughs> they Listen, kill. if you have the you. power, if you have that kind of power to gather that many people and and be on a show and and gain eyes, there is a X factor, star factor, adult factor to you at a young age. And I remember so many times they're like, Raven, you know, these are kids. I said, they ain't kids. I said, I was a kid. <laughs> That's what I was. I was a kid. How about that? <laughs> Just mad. The, Just mad at everybody. But the one the one you ride is Isaac on your show. You crack. Oh, I love watching you and Isaac because you just keep an eye on him like an auntie that is just just a, a thousand steps ahead. Because I know that boy that I know Isaac because he you know, he just had his birthday a little while ago. I know that man. boy. How old did he turn? He turned 15. How old did he turn? Okay. He turned 15. You know, there's a mentality within someone in that age bracket. And I love his parents and I love my parents and I love your parents. But 
how do I say this correctly without his parents getting mad at me? There are thought process. <laughs> there are thought processes inside of a, a child actor who has success that sometimes parents overlook because it is not what you thought as a parent, as a kid, and the mental morphs. It's this. It's it's you know similar, but it's a different type of pressure and different pressure creates different kinds of stones. So if you don't have, you know, the, I told him when I met him, I'm like, I'll give you $300 every time you go to therapy. Every time he was like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Left him a while. Like, did you go to therapy? Well, you know, uh, no, no. I said, okay, I guess I'm going to have to be your therapist now. He goes, why? I said, watch. Then the show started. I can't get this boy out my room. <gasps> Let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you what happened. I said, now, if you didn't have me, who would you tell this to? Because you know I understand. Who would you tell this to? Exactly, a therapist. And I tell all my kids this. I'm like, your parents know so much and listen to them. Now, when you have these thought processes in your head, like, you know, wait a second. I just did 13 hours of work, made the check but you're spending the money and I can and I only get an allowance, that doesn't make sense to me. A parent who didn't have that situation will be like, because you're a kid and this is how it is and this is how it is. But in honesty, yes, you did make that money, sweetheart. You did. But you know what? Right now, you have to stay in kid world and use your adult world to soak up the correct information, how you want to run your business. And then later you can release your, your adult mind. But right now you can't because your age prevents you to. But you are definitely correct in thinking that. And I think, I know when I was growing up, it was, no, 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 you're a kid. You have to think, you know what I mean? It's like that double, yeah. you're an adult, but you're yeah, a kid, they, you can't. They, they, they kept us in that box. Like I said, I was, you know, and only to bring, in, bring up Mr. Cosby for this reason. I can't find my diploma. I was going to say this earlier when I graduated from UCLA uh, in 2001. Um, I can't find my diploma. I have no idea where it is. I would have to actually have to have the darn thing reprinted. But what I did find was I found my letters of recommendation from Bill Cosby and Leslie Moonves. <laughs> and in the ironic world that we live in today, I'm literally like, I'm like, mom, Frame this, but unfortunately, it cannot hang downstairs. <laughs> it cannot, that's where I'm on with it. Because <laughs> I'm like, this is actually more gangster than the damn diploma. Than the, plum, than the uh, diploma, honey. And to have those side by side. Uh, and it's hilarious. And it's, it's great. Matter of fact, even Leslie's um, letter of recommendation was for USC, but it was sent in to UCLA. So how how much does the body of the letter actually even mean? What does it mean? <laughs> when when, when nobody calls you, that's all. That's Bill Cosby. That's it. Come on in. Come on in. Come on in. It's true. So, uh, and I uh, and and you get older, and you're like, wow. You know, I was really conditioned to to think that I had really gotten something here, and what I should have been asking Leslie for was um, put pilot deals. <laughs> and piling them up with each of my nine seasons. <laughs> you know, so oh, those are the there. areas. Oh, you, you went there. You ain't you went there. Oh, yeah. Honey. You know, those are those are the those are the areas where we get taken advantage of. And if you get to a point in your career where I can sit here with you, 
because my earliest mem- memories of you actually are, you know, you're a woman now, but I, you know, I, when you did hang with Mr. Cooper, you know, you guys shot you on the same right set. The stage. And, yeah. And you were right across the, you know, that Friday night was a lit night on the, on the studio. Everybody was filming us, you step-by-step step, friends. I mean, there were so ER. many shows that were filming. Yeah, everybody was filming. Uh, but the tape shows back then, at least the shows that were, that had a live studio audience. So it was a very, it was a very uh, theme park vibe on a Friday because of all the traffic and the audiences. You know what I'm saying? So we would see each other, you know, on lunch before the shows. And I'd see you out there with your father and your mother. And and then, you know, it was like I blinked. And the next thing I know, I'm seeing you in a car on the 405 with some suckers in the back. And y'all being young, doing young things in the car. And I'm honking my horn like, stop that, Raven. Stop that. I see you in this vehicle. I see you in this vehicle. <laughs> you don't know me like that. <laughs> yes, you do. I do now. Yeah, you do. I do now. <laughs> and then fast forward again, you know, uh, 10 years after that, and I'm working for you on your show, Raven's Home, um, largely because of um, your showrunner, Yunetta Boone, uh, who uh, who passed away. But um, I want to touch on that, too. Uh, but she went out of her way to make sure that I that uh, I got a shot to be on your show, but that I was treated with respect in in how I was asked. And a combination of things happened there for me when I did your show was I had never worked for Disney Channel. I had never worked for Disney Channel, and um, I never worked for Disney Channel because they their brass at the time kind of always wanted to go out of their way to humiliate me a bit and make me audition for roles that quite frankly, were just beneath my pedigree. And so um, yours was the first offer that came for me to ever be on a Disney Disney sitcom. And so, A, I'm so flattered by that. You know, I'm a lunch pail, hard hat kind of guy mentality. If you invite me to come to work, I'm going to go to work. Um, But then number two, your show is my daughter's favorite show. And... I knew in a nanosecond it was a chance to make me cool in her eyes because she was unimpressed with Urkel or Family Matters. Unimpressed. Yeah, that doesn't matter. We talking about. Yeah, that that doesn't matter. But for the chance for me to be on your show, and then she gets to come down and meet you, I was just a conduit. Oh. I, 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 was, I was just a conduit, but I became a cool conduit. <laughs> so uh, I loved I, you I, there. I, I loved you there. You brought an energy to the set that I feel like. I'm always trying to conjure, but when I conjure it, people think that I'm crazy or a hard ass. And when you (laughs) came on set, I'm like, this is how life is supposed to be. And (laughs) I saw it and all my kids were in awe. They were like, oh, we get you, Raven. I say, yeah, now y'all get me. I'm not the only one out here. I mean, there's only a couple of us, but this is not. This is how you're supposed to be. This is the work you're supposed to do. This is the level of professionalism that is supposed to come with someone in the industry as long as you. And I'm just going to let you know this, Jaleel. I still audition for Disney Disney stuff. Oh, yes. I still audition. I I just did it right now. I think it's important that people know that. I mean, that came to me as a slap in the face, to be quite honest. And it took me a long time to get over auditioning. So let's just go ahead and say that for anybody who are actors out there, you audition until you die. Until you die. <laughs> or you just stop being an actor. Like, 
Or you just stop being an actor. You 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 pull a you know you pull a Sean Connery. You pull a Gene Hackman, and you give up. You give the two fingers, and you say you know my work, and you know my quote. And sometimes it just becomes you know my work. I don't even have a quote anymore. And if you're fortunate enough even to get to that part, um, I think that's a that there's got to be solace in that too. I remember um, I remember Johnny Carson. Um, you know, he just left television and he left the spotlight and he just left anything celebrity and basically just went to 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 Malibu and just kind of locked the gate like Goals. Willie Wonka. Right. <laughs> and it's like I never could understand why a guy would do that until now in my life. And I'm like, you know, I kind of have my eye on when that moment could happen. Uh, I, I am curious, though, who is who's your favorite person that, that's ever interviewed you? Like where you felt you felt a special connection with them. Um, I tend to black out during interviews because an interview <laughs> for me is this is not an interview. This is a conversation, but no, like, it's not. It's not. This is a, this is a conversation. But normal in interviews, I'm talking about a, a specific um, project, and Got I know it. my words, and I know my buzzwords, and I black out, and I give what's necessary. Yeah. Um, so you're in sale mode. You're in sale mode. Uh, yeah, I'm in sale mode. Um, but you know, there is this thing of, we have egos and confidence. Yes, we do. I have an ego and I know this now I'm not going to flaunt it in your face, but I will cuss you out in my head and I'll just have this smile on like this. I've seen that smile. I see that smile. Like y'all don't even know who you talking to right now. Trust me, I would cuss you up, down, up, left, and right. No, that's not how it's supposed to go. But you know what? Go ahead and handy business. This is all in my head. We know how to control it, but we have it. So you know, even me, I'm like, I got an audition for this, but I know that I have to. But my morph, honestly, Jaleel, and I'm I'm kind of sad that COVID happened. Kind of sad. I'm very sad that it happened, but same coming out. Um, I started directing on uh, Raven's home. And it's funny because one of the guys I work with, not an actor, one of the uh, crew, him and I didn't really get along on set. And I won't say why, but as soon as I started directing, he was like, I like you better as a director. I was like, I like you better too when I'm a director. Because just because you put me in the industry at that young and I'm an actor and I'm good and it doesn't mean that that's what I'm supposed to morph into. I'm still a human. We're still human. You know what I mean? And the box that was created for us, I know in my head, there's a there's a padlock where I can't go anywhere else. I can't do anything else because this is what I'm known for, blah, 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 blah. And I have to do this. I have to keep up the appearance. But I'm morphing that because I think my talents would work better helping others grow in the acting field and, and capturing these images rather than me having to audition because my ego is not liking the audition process. I can't do it. I don't like it. Well, well, very few, not everybody runs their audition process in a classy manner. You know, there's also a way if you're a smart producer and you're a smart director to run your auditions so that you truly get the best out of the actors that are coming in and not, uh, it doesn't become a game of egos. And so I think because of the way we grew up in the industry, I see the swinging pendulum of power all the time. And some people are on a set and or in a, a Hollywood environment and they only see the power that they wield, not understanding that it was like, hey, listen, the actor has control in the moment on the set. Um, the director, I mean, the editor now has control in post. 
Now the producers have control when they give the editors notes. Um, now the network has control when they see a first cut. Now we have a final cut. Now the actor has control again because if the actor doesn't like the way he or she was portrayed, the actor won't promote convincingly. You see all that power, that all that exchange of power in there? You know what I'm saying? So when you see all that exchange of power, it's like, yeah, I have an ego. And everybody has an ego. And you can't get anywhere in life if you don't have a freaking ego. That's why it's fun for us to watch Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, because those guys have the ultimate damn ego. And we become spectators to their egos. But we got to check our egos because, you know, people like you and myself, because we never, ever, ever, ever are going to get the full credit that we deserve, all of us. Um, for the expertise that we've amassed, for having done what we've done for so many hours. You know, there's a rule that says if you do anything for 10,000 hours, you're, you're, you're technically an expert. So Anybody what does does anything what you for do 10, it for 34 hours? years? How many hours So what is it you years? do for 30, 40 years? Exactly. I'm like... I'm supposed so to be com- retired because I'm not supposed it, to be here. We su- we're not even supposed to be here. We're supposed to be retired. We are supposed to be retired. And, I'm, and you know what changed my attitude about auditioning? My daughter. I wasted a lot of time in my 20s half-assing auditions, um, not being fully prepared. Um, I also was able to finally dial in what I should audition for and what I shouldn't audition for. And that one's that one's really, really important because once you dial that in, then you can take your ego out of it. And you 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 know the project, you know that you see the words. You see the producers, you see the attachments and you go, okay, I got to audition. It's Scorsese. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You just, you know, you, 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 you get what it is. Um, but you have to, when you come from our, well, with our kind of background, you have to create a peace with that. You have to come to peace with that. And with her, the peace was just as simple as providing for my kid. And it was also as simple as having a purpose. You know, even if you got some money stashed up in, in the bank, your kid can't see you just hanging around the house, just, you know, in, in a house robe, not, not, not doing anything. You, you, you feel a, a complex, you know, I want my daughter to see her daddy get up in the morning and go to somebody's job. And so I had to turn auditioning into part of the job. And so for me, at least I'll, I'll ask what your process is for me. Auditioning is, has become camera up. So I would never show up on your set. I would never show up to anybody's set. And the cameras were there and we had our blocking down and we're ready to rock, not knowing my words. Yeah. Not knowing where to stand, not knowing I would that that wouldn't even be a thought. So because auditions generally come last minute, and that's something a lot of people don't understand. Also, generally you may get only like I have a 48 hour rule now. I'm like, if you don't give if you didn't call me within and give me just 48 hours smart to prepare for this, y- y'all are desperate. You just looking for some performer to throw in front of the camera and don't call me. Um, but it took me time to get to that point because I would get the under 24 hours audition call from my manager and I had to be there and it's six page, you know, six pages. I'm on every page, thick chunks and, you know, three scenes. I'm like, oh gosh. And that creates automatic stress. And I hated that stress just falling, just hitting my day like a comet. What's your process? My thing about what you just said is when there's stuff like that, they already know what they want. They just need other people to put through the line so that they can, those Casting agents can push exactly who they want. They know who they want before they 
and get it. Yes. They know exactly. what they want, so you're wasting my time anyway. I'm not trying to be the one that you use. Like, see, you don't really want her. I don't want to be in that sense. Anyway, um, my process is I'm changing my <laughs> career. My process is I'm changing my career. I'm um, I'm moving behind the scenes uh, and into more hosting. I like hosting. I like that aspect. Um, you know, I like character development when I'm explaining it to someone else. And watching that emotion and helping them pull it out and and pushing forward. And I learned this fully working with these kids like, you know, Isaac and Navia and Sky and Jason, just seeing these kids like I'll tell them I need four different emotions for the word. Yes. What? We don't. I said, no, I need four <laughs> different emotions. And they're like, prove it. I said, yeah, sure. I'll prove it all day. But like I enjoy that process. I enjoy seeing the growth of others within a field that I've been in. And that includes, um, I love executive producing. I love creating and saying yes to what the color of the shirt is against the, the couch, you know, how your character comes in and being able to delegate the actor's ego, the cameraman's ego, the director's ego, and saying, listen, everybody's egos is important. Let's figure out the best of each one and put it together. That's what I like. I'm not, um, I have not grown fond of the tear down mentality of an actor. Ooh. I have not grown fond of, you know, you're just an actor, stand there and say my emotions and my lines and wear this pretty outfit and do what I need you to do. I'm not grown fond of that. Um, I'm growing fond of the person saying that to so, so what aspect of acting can still even fire you up? Because a lot of people don't know you and I work together on Drunk History, which is fun. one of my, that was one of my favorite shows. I played Martin Luther King and you played the, the old girl from Star Trek. From Please Star tell me her Trek. name. Yep. I forgot her uh, name. Yes. Um, and um, that was such a fantastic day for me. Me too. And it, it. Because when I showed up, I have to be honest, I, I kind of half-assed knew my lines <laughs> because I had gotten called literally 24 hours or 48 hours before also. But Derek Waters, the, that executive producer, he can do that to me. Uh, he just, I give him that license. And and uh, so I've done the show like three or four times now. And it's really almost just an exercise of how quickly can you hop into it. Yeah, But I remember when I got to the set, you were walking around in your big wig and you had your earphones in and you were getting your dialogue down. Because that's a, being on Drunk History is a very specific exercise of mimicking those words. Um, you know who would crush it now is that woman who does Trump, Sarah, on um, on on Instagram. She would kill it. Kill Derek, it. you have to have Sarah on Drunk History. You do have it, to. She would destroy. Do it, Derek. Do it. <laughs> she would absolutely kill it. Uh, she just has such a talent for that exercise. Um, but uh, but it was so fun working with you that day. And I felt at least being next to you that day that you were inspired. And I don't sometimes, you know, I just it is what it is. When sitcoms sometimes can, it can, you can go through the motions and then maybe you have one scene where you were inspired again. And I'm like, oh, she's going back to be an old Raven in this scene. And then the other one, it was like, okay, let's get through this scene. And, uh, but I don't, I don't see you reaching into your bag. But, but then on that day, that whole day while we were shooting Drunk History, I felt, I felt you reaching into your bag. 
And I, I wanted that day for you. I was like, I want to see her work with like the, the Tina Fey's and the Amy Polars, who are so talented. But I'm like, I want them, I want them to race against this girl. Like I just, I saw it as a hundred yard dash that you're very rarely allowed to run. So I'm just curious what aspects of acting, even though I know you're doing and directing and I know you're an EP, but what aspects of acting still drive you, still get you up? Like if you get that moment, it's like, okay, wait a minute. You roll up your sleeves, you, you, you pull your sword out your sheath and you're ready to cut somebody. Um, let me, let me answer a couple of those questions. The first one goes, <laughs> I loved doing Drunk History because I love that show and I watch it. And I've always wanted to be a part of it. I think the funniest comedians are on that show. I think the funniest actors on that show. I love Derek Waters. I think he's a genius. Um, and it was me going into the bag because I'd never done anything like that before. I need new experiences. I've done everything. I've literally been a model, a singer, an actor, a dancer, a talk show host. Like I've done everything egotistically speaking. And I had never mimicked somebody else's voice in this kit. Like that was fun. Okay. Um, I'm pissed because I'm 34 <laughs> years old and I am a comedian, comedic actress, if that's the title you want. And I still look 12. So I'm not going to be able to be in bridesmaids <laughs> with the women. But see, I think you're good. With the women. I think that's, that I feel that I should be in the same room with. I feel that Melissa McCarthy and her journey. Um, I, I get it. You don't have to say it. I get it. Though. You know, I, get it. I have a chip on my shoulder. I do. But I also know that the industry that I'm in was not created for me. Right. Right. Hey, folks. On behalf of the episode sponsor, I want to get real for a minute. As a working father, I can tell you some days can be extremely stressful. <laughs> and I play both roles. Sometimes I'm the mom and the dad. <laughs> Life is an uphill battle. I don't care how successful you've been. Hollywood offers a ton of rejection. And it can be really hard to maintain a positive attitude at all times. From a mental health standpoint, we could all benefit from a dose of therapy. Whether you're just having a conversation with a friend, a family member, or a professional. That's where better help comes in. That's better H-E-L-P, better help, offers professional counseling done securely online. Connect with a broad range of mental health experts, no uncomfortable waiting room. Better help can access your needs and match you with your own licensed professional to help you access your goals. Schedule weekly video or phone sessions and new users can start communicating in just under 48 hours. Now, this isn't some crisis hotline or fast food self-help. No, no, no. BetterHelp is committed to great therapeutic matches, so they make it free and easy to change counselors if need be. You can log into your account anytime to message your counselor, and you'll get timely, thoughtful messages. BetterHelp is affordable and even offers financial aid. Visit BetterHelp.com ever. That's BetterHelp and join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Ever after listeners. Ah, now you guys, you get 10% off your first month by going to betterhelp.com slash ever. I heard a rumor. I got another question. You know, I heard a rumor that were you heavily involved in your merchandise? 
when uh, for that's a raisin or even when you were a kid, like, you know, the products that they put out. I heard that your products were rejected from Walmart in favor of putting them in Kmart. Because I had to deal with a lot of my own merchandising as well. And a lot of people don't understand that my actual contemporaries growing up were the Olsen twins. Mine too. Um, they said, well, like it or not, they were our, they were our contemporaries. And um, where was our it's, videos? It's, where were our everyday straight right. to DVD videos? Where was that? Right. There was no one in our community doing that. We would have been there. And it's the fact that we didn't have YouTube. We didn't have the tools to do it ourselves because it was still so locked down. So at 34, I'm still like, damn, can I do a straight to DVD? I'm still here. You know, and so that was just a that was just a rumor then for your products. um, I I wouldn't dismiss and I wouldn't um, confirm because and I say that because I remember that. So Raven did not air in America. It aired in Europe first to see if uh, to see if someone that looked like me could push a show. So I feel like, you know, while my, my, my hurt, my heart, my crack, the crack that the industry created to me, you're great. You're great. You're great. But you can't do anything that all these other people are doing that don't have the same skills as you that have skills. But I think my skills are superior. That's just because I'm an egotistical one. Um, you know, you're great. You're great, but you can't have this. And I'm sitting here looking at all these people And then as a female, I'm like, you're not about to see any of my titties. You're not about to see any of my ass. I'm not about to have a sex scene because I can't do it. I don't feel comfortable. That knocks at least 50% of the work out of the way. Then I got to go up against women that, you know, figure wise, that knocks another 30% out of the way. So here I am, girl power. I'm on TV. I'm helping your kids. Wait a second. I want to be in this show. Well, you are, you're little Olivia. So we don't really look at you that way. I only got 10% to do now. You know what I mean? Like there's not that much that you've shown me that I can be a part of, but then I have to open it up because the industry changes. Things are opening. Size has become a cool thing randomly. Like when did that happen? Um, which I'm like, I've been here. I've been thick, thick y'all making thick, thick, sexy. What the I've been here. Listen, when I got when I got to look at Lizzo at the Staples Center in a thong flirting with LeBron James overtly on the court. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm like they, there's a Jaleel, whole generation of black. There's a whole generation of black folk that's like, oh, this is this is clout. This is this real. is clout now. You 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 can do this and not be escorted off the <laughs> off the off the. Of the court by security? You can't abuse a dog and abuse a dog and abuse a dog and then tell the dog, hey, everything you're doing is right now. Go be free. That dog's going to have a problem. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And that's yeah. kind of where I sit. So, yes, I want to be in a Tina Fey movie. Yes, I feel like I should have been in Mean Girls. Yes, I feel like I should have been in Bridesmaids and all these other comedic female stories. Is it because I don't audition? Is it because I've been hurt so long? And I, you know, when I'm sitting in a room, I'm like, what you going to tell me? No, because I'm black. Like, that's what it is. But now we're in the situation where I have to open it up. But do I want to go through that scrutiny? Like, it's my own journey as well. I'm not blaming it on everybody else. I'm blaming on the conditioning that I had to condition myself to know, okay, you're just going to take this and at least you have a job. That's what I've been conditioned to do. Exactly. Listen, you know, you're, you're saying it brilliantly. I mean, and I'll, I'll, I'll try to add some, some, some more context to it, please. You know, I'll never forget 
Um, Damon Wayans telling me at Marlon's house one day, he was asking me about, I was kind of on the younger side, so I was probably early 20s or whatever, and he was asking me about my money and taxes and everything. I could just tell he was kind of like diving into me, like, what does this boy know? You know, and and I, I kind of didn't want to talk about it, but, you know, but at the same time, I, I think I'm here building, you know, and um, and and so he just kind of smugly, Damon just sat back and he was like, you know what your job is in this business, boy? And uh, I'm like, what? He's like, a black man's job in this business is to turn chicken shit into chicken salad. <laughs> and that, that quote has always stuck with me. So I have a different mentality when I see a script. I have a different mentality when I'm offered a role. I have to look at it for what positive I can bring to it. Even though I still have the ability to look at the script immediately and go, I don't really think it's going to make a lot of money, guys. I don't think it's going to do so well at the box office. I think this might get canceled after the first season. Um, <laughs> I, I can make all of those assessments literally just clicking on the download <laughs> for the sides, but I'm not allowed to say anything. I was actually on a CBS show um, called Me, Myself, and I in 2017, and it was a single camera show, and I'd waited my entire career to be on a single camera show. Um <laughs> I waited my entire career to be on a single camera show. I was asked to audition on a Saturday. I was coaching my daughter's um, soccer game and uh, I had to leave from the soccer game to go audition. Again, it was, I broke my under 24 hours, you know, my 48 hour rule. See what happens because when you break the was, rules? See what happens when you yeah, break the, the rules? Well, no, but you have, I have, I have a criteria. I have a criteria though, when I break those rules. So, you know, this was Leslie Moonves. This was Warner Brothers. Oh yeah, you gotta do that. This was... This was there. You go. You you like you like oh, where we at? Where we at? Where we at? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, is this this was Bobby Moynihan from uh, SNL. So again, I got a chance to get paired against somebody from SNL, um, but I had to audition, and um, and I went in and I did my thing. But I remember, again, just in a matrix like way, I remember seeing every single thing that was wrong with the project. My life. Every single thing. And if I just were allowed to open my mouth, the show would still be on the air right now. And I remember when John Larroquette came walking in to play uh, Bobby Moynihan for at table reading. I just wanted to hang my head. I was just like, now, not because I have an issue with John Larroquette. I grew up loving Night Court. His timing is fantastic. But I was like, who at the network? thought Bobby Moynihan at 5'8 is going to get away with playing the same character as John Larroquette. John Larroquette is playing the older version of Bobby Moynihan. And John Larroquette is 6'4". Who at the network said this is okay? And I had to watch Bobby answer that question at TCAs and from and from interviewers at every step of the way. And it just became, by the time they'd asked him so many times, Raven, it was like, they weren't even asking me any Family Matters questions. They were like, oh, hi, Jaleel, how you doing? So Bobby, <laughs> why do you expect us to believe that you are eight inches taller in 2032? And I'm, I'm like, my dream of being in a single camera show yeah. that has the budget to really do what it's supposed to do now rest in the hands of somebody at a network who can make that decision. 
On top of that, our show really technically is starring a kid named Jack Dylan Grazer, who is Fred Savage 3.0. Again, I get it. As soon as I download it, he was uh, from on my computer. He was um, he was in the movie It, which had just come out. And I remember as this network is begging us to live tweet as if that's going to create real viewership. I remember looking at Jack's Instagram followers when we did the pilot and he had 30,000. When we got canceled after 13 episodes, 1.2. Jack had 2.1 million followers. I literally said 1.2. It was backwards. I felt it. I felt it. And these executives were oblivious and I had been watching it the whole time. And why was our show on at 9.30 at night on Monday? And all of these girls that are following him are 13 and 14 years old and have to be up in the morning to go to school the next day. So when I work on a show and I offer my professionalism and now that the show is long canceled, I never imagined a world where we could have something called a podcast where I could actually be allowed to discuss with another former child actor turned adult performer, producer, and director, uh, mogul woman she paid. I never imagined that technology would allow me this moment. It's uh, it's just, it's kind of funny. So it's our, it's our time, is, Jaleel. It's our time. Yeah. It's, it's, you deserve it. You, you know, you really do, Jaleel, because you're right. As actors, we're not allowed to speak up, which is why I don't want to be one anymore. We have a power. We've been a part of very historic, historical, important. What's the right word? You know what I mean? We've been a part of shows that have changed culture. There you go. Let me make it real plain and simple. And when you're a part of success, you understand success. You can feel the energy if it's not there. Quick antidote because it is 1033. I love you. I'm going to take you to 1040. Give me two seconds. So I was a, I did a show and um, I had lost all my weight, honey. I was felt. I saw no chins. My thighs didn't touch. I was like, oh shit, that's what it looks like? It was fantastic, honey. I wasted my sexy on this show. Anyway, <laughs> so I remember crying. I don't cry. I'm, all, I'm. That's not what we do, okay? Oh, I know that about you. I yes. don't cry. I, I called my mom. She was like, what's the matter? I said, I don't think I should do this show. She was like, leave. I said, oh my God, oh my God, I can't do this show. I can't do this show. I can't do the show. Cry, 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 cry. She was like, you're literally behind the stage. The, the first table read is in front of you. You have to make the choice. Are you going to step out or step in? I said, well, obviously I'm going to step out there. I signed the contract. I'm not getting sued. Like all the things that you really shouldn't be thinking about when you know shit's going to go. And I remember seeing, like you, all of these things, knowing that the day they told me to put on a fat pad or why did you lose weight or putting me in this outfit, I'm like, y'all don't know who I I had an I had a scene where I was running and I fell and they said, cut. I got up. I said, why did you say cut? And they were like, are you OK? I said, do you not know what I do? And they were like, no. I said, you just missed the best take. I got back up and left. But you said cut. Now you're going to make it real vanilla and we're going to have a problem. <gasps> Raven, Raven. <laughs> I spoke up. And they came and talked to me. You know, you're not a producer on the show. That's not your job. I said, well, you know what? I don't want to do this job anymore because you're not using me to my greatest ability. And the show's not what I want to be a part of. I want to be a part of greatness, plain and simple. And I'm not a part of greatness right now. And other people felt it too, not just you. And, and you know, there's people who, who understand that, you know, there's the people who there's that man who does 
Big Bang Theory and all that. There's a different energy on those sets, you know? And when you have a network who's giving a favor to a friend or, oh, we love this, you know, quick little antidote. Let's make it into a show. You're like, that's not, that's not. Anyway, so I move forward to say, I admire you for sticking with it. I'll be on the other side, bro. I'll be on the side. My music, I'm sticking with because like your podcast, I can mold the music to what I need to do. Now, hopefully you create a show that makes me feel that way. You hire me and I'm like, oh shit, I love this again. But right now, the behind the scenes doesn't compute with how I'm used to working. So I have to like get there. you're, you're, You're a soldier when you're in the in actor capacity. You know, I never... And you carry out orders and you carry them out well and you you actually give them surprises that they didn't even expect. That's that's what you do as a, as an actress. I've watched you do it your entire life. Uh, I never equated things that I did comedically with power. As a child, I did. I, did, I just I didn't. I, I was fortunate enough to work with individuals who took me for who I was. And also the show was floundering. So something that did work in a scene was a hallelujah. And I didn't see, I wasn't catching that hallelujah. So learning, learning how to improv and not throw off your other actor, learning how to stay within the confines of story and improv, learning how to ratchet up your performance so that you can give the best performance on tape night. And, and nobody had ever had seen every gym you had in your bag. You know, those Yo, things, none of those things. Yo, want you to like over-rehearse now. I'm like, Yeah, they want I you to over-rehearse. Oh my gosh, don't give, give me stuff. Listen, we are, I know you have to go. I know you have to go. I, I, I knew it when I asked you, let's rap. Because I was like, yo, I'm going to talk to this woman in a way that I think, hopefully she'll text me. Ain't nobody ever talked to her before. Yo, bring me in this back capacity. to Will. Let's let's bring I'm me back. We, I'm real we, serious though because we could do it. We can do it again. We could add another person if you want to. If there's somebody out there that you want to rap with, where it's like I would like their perspective. Malcolm. I really I want to. Uh, you want to you want to get Malcolm? Let me tell I you about Malcolm Jamal Malcolm. Warner. Let me tell you about that man. Yep. I had dreams yep. about that man after the Cosby Show. Now, mind you, I don't remember him from anything on the Cosby Show. I was three. I remember leaving the Cosby show, going to Atlanta, going to middle school and having a dream like that's going to be my brother. That is my brother out of nowhere. I moved to L.A. This man is so smart. This man is so grounded. Playboy stance like a dream. And when you talk to him, it's like you're on another planet. I'm going to reach out. You're on another planet. I mean. I mean, our mothers knew each other, Gail and Pam. I mean, they, they, uh, Malcolm and I have tremendous history. If I had to ask you one thing, though, uh, upon leaving, if you did have one professional do-over as a kid, if you could go back and say, I'm going to change that. I'm going to change that one thing when I was a kid. Which one would it be? It could be subtle, but you you just know if you changed it, it would have benefited you like a mug. <laughs> like a mug. <laughs> It's, it, and, and don't even look at it like a do-over. Look at it like a, if you could go back and be a genie and offer yourself one wish. I would have found somebody black in my agency so I can get those straight to VHS movies. Mm. Um, one. And two, I would have probably taken more acting classes on Hang Mr. Cooper. I look back now and I'm like, I sucked. Uh, but mostly <laughs> finding... 
you know, it's so it's going to be so controversial. It's going to come out of my mouth right now. But that, no, come on, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't say watermelon, Andrea. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> I was raised differently. <laughs> um, <laughs> but back in 1987 to 1992, finding you know, someone white that believed in me so that I could actually get on the same playing field as everybody else. Mm. Sadly, that's how it was back in the industry. Um, Now we make our own way. Now we make our own way. Now we push through, you know, we got all colored, um, all types of colors representing people in the industry, all types of colors in the agencies. And, but back then it wasn't, and no one understood that. So if I would have had that same machine as, the Olsen twins providing to my people, providing to the culture that embraced me and that I'm a part of, she would have been changed. Yep. No, you back in our day, you had to have someone white who believed in you. And that wasn't an easy find in our business, because if you were African-American, you were going to be a tougher sell for them. They didn't know how and to they sell. Got to pay the, and they, exactly. And they, you, they, it was just too, it was too much work. It was too much work. And that's why I have this up, because I learned you got to do it yourself. You got to punch a couple people in the face so that they get a bloody eye and they don't see how you move. You know what I mean? So that's why I have that mentality. I'm still living in the mentality. My wife is like, you got to calm down. Life isn't the same. I'm like, I'm ready, cuz. I'm ready. Let me in this. <laughs> it's not that com- No, no, calm down. Raven, it's not that combative anymore. Seriously, we can chill. It's not that combative anymore. We're here. We made it. Hey, listen, and that's the that's a perfect thing to go out on. This is ever after. Thank we you. Made it. Thank thank you so much, Raven, for joining me. I I just this went better than my wildest dreams. And I do want to have you back. I want to have you back with Malcolm if you would if you would accept that invitation. Um I, I would as a matter of fact, I would love to, Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Now who morphed for who in this interview? Um <laughs> I don't know. I love you. I don't know. We have to talk for we'll have to talk about that on FaceTime alone. <laughs> I love you, baby. I love you too. Bye. Bye. <laughs> epic. Fucking epic. <laughs> I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find the ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.